Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. This is episode 25. Who'd have thunk it? I didn't know if I was going to make it to 25, to be honest with you, but I, now I'm actually kind of on a roll. And uh, just to let you know, things might get really crazy from now on because I've kind of hit my stride and I kind of know what I want to say all the time. And I just kind of put notes down in bullet points and let my mind go wherever it wants to. So batten down the hatches, ladies and gentlemen. All right, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about Alvin Bragg. He's now suing Jim Jordan and the House Judiciary Committee so that a former associate of his doesn't testify. Hmm, I wonder why. I want to tell you a little bit more about the history of the people that have thought about charging Trump, too. Next, I'll talk about what the heck is going on with this generation. One of the Politicians kicked out of the state Congress in Tennessee is quite the actor. He has uh, made quite the transformation from when he was running for student council in high school and seven years later. Now, I think you'll be impressed with the transformation. All right. And... Republicans are going to have to address the abortion issue, and I will give you my thoughts on that. And a recent study shows that the increase in home runs is due to climate change. Yeah, sure. All right, to kick things off, and dang it, I'm hoping I get to the point where I have like sound effects and all kinds of things, because we're getting ready for football season well we're not getting ready for it i understand it's the first day of optional voluntary <laughs> training for football and i do know that my particular team's quarterback showed up before dawn to uh, get to it so i'm kind of excited about that i'll tell you more information about that as time allows but right now, let's talk about Alvin Bragg. He's now suing Jim Jordan and the House Judiciary Committee so that a former associate of his doesn't testify. Matthew Colangelo looked into prosecuting Trump, and he doesn't like Trump at all either. But he looked into this and decided there wasn't enough evidence. And the former DA, Cyrus Vance, also didn't find enough to go after the president. And even the first time Alvin Bragg looked into this, he decided not to prosecute. So what changed? Well, let's see. Alvin Bragg wants to start Trump's trial in January of 2024. And what else is going on in January of 2024? Oh, I know. That's like Iowa and New Hampshire, the beginning of the official campaign season for the 2024 election. Right in the middle. Huh. What I believe the left is planning 
to do is to have Trump in courtrooms all year round. I believe they're going to stack these charges one on top of another and force Trump to come in and spend weeks having to sit in trial because they can't afford to have him on the campaign trail because his rallies are getting gigantic again. The uh, last one he had, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was before he had the scheduled one after these indictments when he came back from New York. But when he had this other rally, I think the estimate of the crowd was 50,000. Joe Biden couldn't pull 50,000 people to come to any event he had planned if he was giving out a million dollars to every single person that would show up. Because I have done a lot of thinking about what is really going on and why they're trying to tie up Trump so much. You see, Joe Biden in 2020 didn't run for president. He sat in his basement. He did have a couple of rallies where I think 50 showed up for one and maybe it was pushing 100 in another one. You remember they were all in those little designated circles six feet apart and he was talking over car horns and all kinds of interesting things going on at those rallies. But mostly he sat in his basement. Yeah, I believe that the left knows Joe Biden can't run a effective campaign. He just can't. That's why he's not going to Ireland and to King Charles's coronation the next month because Joe Biden can't do two long distance trips two months in a row. That would be just too taxing on his frail body and mind. So they're hoping they can tie Trump up in court so Joe Biden doesn't have to actually run again. And I believe, honestly, at this point, the left wants Donald Trump to be the nominee because Joe Biden can't run on his own merits. No one, or I should say not no one, some people did, but very few voted for Joe Biden. Most of those <clears throat> 81 million votes, uh, Doubt there were 81 million votes, the most votes for a U.S. president in U.S. history, including for the first black president to ever be elected. Yeah, highly unlikely. Let's just say it's true, okay? Let's just go there. I can guarantee you more than 60% is my guesstimate of people that voted for Joe Biden didn't vote for Joe Biden. They voted against Donald Trump. You see, the left is counting on the fact that there are still enough anti-Trump votes out there for Joe Biden to win again in 2024. So I believe that's what the Democrats have planned for 2024. They're trying to make it look like that they're tying up Donald Trump for a reason. I think they're hedging their bets and understand that enough sympathetic votes are going to get Donald Trump the primary nod. But then in the general election, they're hoping and praying, 
If do they pray? I, I think some of them do. But they're praying that Donald Trump still has enough people in this country that hate him. And I know there's a lot that still do, but I think that's actually diminishing. I think Trump is getting more people understanding what is going on for real in this country and that he really does love this country and is trying to do what's best according to him for this country. Just like I do know the people in the Democratic Party are trying to do what they think is best for this country. But the problem is the Democratic Party has kind of been taken over by the radical Marxist communists that want government to control everything. And they think that's what everyone in America wants too. But I don't think they do. So anyway, that's what I believe is going on with Donald Trump and Alvin Bragg. I believe Alvin Bragg has been given orders, uh, paid money probably, to go after Donald Trump the way he has. And I believe also the indictments are still going to come down from Georgia and from the um, documents with um, Smith, something Smith. I can't remember. Kevin Smith, Steve Smith. Anyway, the guy that used to work at The Hague. <laughs> That's the great thing, right? He used to work at The Hague, like prosecuting war criminals. And they have him going after Trump as the special counsel. Yeah, that's uh, not bias or anything. All right, next. What in the heck is going on with this generation? I mean, we have a new movie that's considered a great date movie by certain movie reviewers. The movie is called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. And it's a group of people played by actors, but I think it's probably based on truth, that thought of a plan to blow up an oil pipeline in Texas. And then you've got Greta Thunberg, America's favorite temper tantrum teenager, we'll call her. I, I, you know, now she's, I think she's 20, maybe 21. I'm not exactly sure, but you remember when she was 16, and was invited to speak in front of the UN, she said, and I quote, How dare you? How dare you steal my childhood? How dare you? Well, now she's been arrested in certain protests. Of course, those were only staged. And now she's saying that we need to think outside the box because legal methods of protests and demonstrations haven't worked. So she's calling for illegal demonstrations and methods of protesting? Uh-huh. That's kind of what I gathered when I listened to her speak. And then you've got these other Gen Z protesters throwing Campbell's soup and paint and tar on priceless works of art. What is that all about? You want to destroy history because you're so brainwashed with this religion of climate science and climate change that that is worth you destroying priceless works of art in order to awaken 
people to the real danger of climate change and the earth is going to burn up and the sea levels are going to rise 20 feet by 2020. Wait, wait, that's that's what they said like a decade ago. And huh, funny thing. Uh, yeah, the sea has only risen about an inch, if that. And it's really funny. The people that are really screaming and yelling about climate change all have beachfront properties. Huh. That's, that's kind of like they don't believe what they're actually saying, right? And then, you know, you've got teachers that now want to eliminate grades completely. Eliminate grades for the children being raised now so their feelings aren't hurt. We now have a group of activist teachers, administrators, principals that are brainwashing children and trying to indoctrinate them and break them away from their parents' influence in order to send them out to the world completely unprepared for anything that goes on in the world because the world is competitive and harsh and cruel. And that's just the way it is. And if your parents and administrators and teachers and counselors are not preparing you for that, they are doing you a humongous disservice. It's so sad to me to see children being so coddled and so protected and so, uh, what do you want, bubble wrapped, you know, so they don't in encounter any dangers or any challenges or any obstacles in their life. Yeah, that's the best thing. We don't want to toughen up kids so when they go out into the real world, they're, they've developed a thick skin and can handle it. No, we want to send children out in the world with paper-thin skin and feelings that get hurt with one word. That's what we really want, right? Well, that's what the left apparently wants. And like I said in a previous podcast, I think it was episode two, when we were talking about what is happening in our schools, K through 12, this is all planned. This is the plan to break your children, break them away, not, not only break them mentally, but break them away from the influence of their parents. Because I say, as I said in my last podcast, the goal is to remove everything in your life that provides stability and strength. Just keep that in mind. Okay, and last week, two Tennessee politicians were kicked out of the State House of Representatives for using a bullhorn and helping protesters come into the chambers and scream and yell and protest and disrupt official proceedings in the chamber. And way to go, Tennessee, on kicking out the two black men and allowing the white woman to stay, even though she begged for the opportunity to stay and apologize for what she did. She still should have been kicked out just to avoid these charges of racism. This wasn't racism. This was the two disrupting this meeting more than anyone else, and they didn't plead for their jobs back like the woman did. But nonetheless, that's what happened. Well, one of those politicians has been reinstated to the House. 
Justin Pearson. Now, Justin Pearson is quite the actor and has made quite a huge transformation from when he ran as student body president his senior year in high school and seven years later speaking in the State House of Representatives. Listen for yourself and listen to what he sounds kind of similar as today. I'm Justin J. Pearson, and I'm running for president of BSG. There are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year. One has to do with representation. It was a sad day on Saturday. All hope seemed to be lost. Representatives were thrown out of the state house. Democracy seemed to be at its end. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might. Quite the transformation, don't you think? I mean, gosh, now he kind of sounds like Martin Luther King Jr. To be honest, I was expecting him to break into I Have a Dream, weren't you? One of my favorite people on Twitter, Terrence K. Williams, said he should star in the new Martin Luther King biopic, Discount MLK. (laughs) Leave it to Terrence K to make me laugh that hard. <laughs> anyway, it's understandable, though, why, as a Democrat, he feels the need to fake Southern accents. Because, you know, other Democrats have done the same thing. See if you can tell who this is. I don't feel no ways tired. So you see, Justin Pearson is just really following in the footsteps of other Democrats and their need to fake an accent to rile up support from their audiences. Now, one more quick note about the protests going on in Tennessee. They're protesting, you know, that trans shooter shooting those six people in the school. And funny thing, we still don't have the manifesto of the Tennessee shooter. And the left still leaves out the fact that it's a trans shooter because it doesn't fit their narrative. So, you know, that's the real reason why They're leaving these key details out. Another thing they're leaving out is there's six Christians in a Christian school. Three children that were nine years old and three adults that were in their 60s. All Christians. But they leave the Christian part out and they leave the trans part out. Why? Because they need the shooters to be white. White males, preferably, thank you very much. And they need the victims to be black because then they can use all of the rhetoric they want of how we need to stop white men from getting guns and stop them from shooting black people. But the trouble is, when you introduce facts into the equation, all of that kind of dissolves into the mist. 
you know? All right. Now, to get serious, the Republicans are going to have to address the abortion issue. We are going to have to find some way to debate this directly with Democrats because they're winning this debate big time. They are controlling the narrative on all of it. The latest polls show that about 72% of women around the country want some kind of abortion, want access, legal access to some kind of abortion. And as much as it hurts my heart, we have to give them some kind of compromise. We have to allow them to end the life of their child if they really choose to. And I really do try to see this issue from both sides. I know it's a big burden for a young woman to bring a life into this world and then having to raise that life from then on. I understand the burden it is, financial and otherwise, but I believe it also can be a huge blessing. Most of the people in this country didn't understand that when Roe v. Wade was overturned, it, it didn't end access to abortion and restrict it nationwide. It just sent it back to the states. And our founding fathers created a country that was supposed to have individual states with individual laws and individual communities that lived the way they wanted to and didn't have to live nationwide like that. There should be very, very few federal laws. Most laws should be made at the state level. That's how it was designed. Now, I believe that life begins at conception. I believe that if you are a student of science, you would have to concur with that because starting in 1974, I believe it was the Columbia Journal of Medicine was one of the first ones to acknowledge that life begins at conception. And I see, I hear a lot of Democrats say, well, the baby is not viable until a certain time during the pregnancy. We are confusing two very different things, the beginning of life and viability. There are certain adults or children outside the womb that have been born and are anywhere from months old to in their 40s, 50s, 60s. I don't know if there's any, any older than that, but basically there are adults who are not viable, who can't take care of themselves, who can't live without machines keeping them alive, iron lungs, respirators that they're dependent upon. So the viability argument to me holds no weight. And we have to understand that the instant that spermazoia enters the egg and fertilizes it, that is the beginning of life because almost instantly it goes through mitosis and splits into two cells. And each of those new, new cells is encoded with the DNA separate from the mother's. So at that point, it is no longer a part of the mother. It is being incubated, and I know that's a bad term, but it's all I can think of right now. It's being grown and nourished by the mother, but that is a separate entity. It grows its own intelligence, its own personality, its own 
its own fingerprints. 50% of the time, it's a different sex than the mother. Sometimes it even has a different blood type than the mother. So how can you say, my body, my choice, when it gets to a point where it's a very separate entity growing inside the mother? Now, unlike a lot of other people, I think this part will actually shock you. I still believe it's the mother's choice of whether, what, whether or not she wants to carry that baby to term. I understand it's a big decision, really big decision to have a child. Even parents I hear that plan on having children are still blown away by how much it changes their lives. And I understand someone very young, it would burden them, but I also believe it would bless them. I also believe it would bring family and friends closer together to help take care of that child. So I believe that life begins at conception, but the mother still should have the choice of whether or not to carry that baby to term. However, there needs to be certain things that need to happen in order to have an abortion, in my opinion. Now, this again, this is my opinion. If you don't like it, or if you like it, and if you agree with it or don't agree with it, write me, Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. Okay, so here's what I think needs to happen. If a woman or girl comes into a doctor's office and wants to have an abortion, I believe the doctor may not lie to this child or woman and say, oh, it's just a clump of cells, Pfft, whatever. It's not worth anything. You know, it's not really, really a life until it's viable. You know, it's just a zygote. It's just a, just a fetus. And I understand those are scientific terms, you know, but they need to understand it's also a living thing. And if a woman or child wants to have an abortion, I believe two things need to happen. Number one, they have to see the sonogram. Number two, they have to hear the heartbeat. If it's after six weeks, I think is when the heart starts beating, six weeks. So if that woman or little girl listens to the heartbeat, sees the sonogram, and the doctor asks her this, after seeing the sonogram and hearing the heartbeat, do you still want to end the life of your baby? That's straightforward. Because then, if they say, yes, I still do, it's no longer on the doctor. It's their choice alone. Now, I have my own beliefs about what I believe is going to happen to the mothers that chose to abort their children in this life, in the next life, but I'll leave that for another podcast. But again, if all this happens, if the girl comes in or woman comes in and wants to have an abortion, she looks at the sonogram, she hears the heartbeat, and still wants to abort that child, then I believe it's the mother's choice. However, the funny thing is, there's a group out there called Preborn that have women that are considering abortion come in and look at the sonogram and listen to the heartbeat. And do you know that 97% of the girls and women that go through that process choose to keep the child? I wonder why. Maybe because they realize it's a life. It's not just a clump of cells. It's not just something that can be discarded easily in a toxic waste bag. 
because you don't want it. The sad thing to me, the thing that breaks my heart every time I hear it, is when I hear about someone having an abortion, I juxtapose that with couples I know that are eagerly anticipating the birth of their child. And they're posting that sonogram picture on social media and calling it their little bean and so excited. And they're starting to think of girl names if it's a girl and guy names if it's a guy. And they're telling everyone and anyone and they're going to plan the gender reveal parties. And they're excited about what color they're going to paint the nursery and what toys to get it and how they're going to raise it. If that child is unwanted, it's discarded in pieces in a toxic waste bag. The only difference is whether or not that child is wanted. Think about that. Okay. And I didn't want to leave you on a downer note like that. I know that was very serious, but I'm very serious about that. There are two things that get me really riled up politically. Number one is abortion and number two is climate change. I think you can kind of surmise that after listening to the last few podcasts when I've touched on those two subjects. All right, really quickly before I go into the motivational thought, for the end of the podcast, I wanted to touch on something a little lighthearted, and that is this recent study that came out that said a group of scientists have discovered that the increase in home runs over the last few years is due to climate change. What? I mean, I understand density of air and, you know, warm air, cold air, thing like that. But so basically, these scientists are saying, hey, all you baseball players that spend all that extra time in the gym, it's really not worth it. You don't have to do that. The only reason you got those extra home runs over the last few years is because of climate change. Got it? Good. What a crock of crap. (laughs) I read that and I'm like, oh, yeah, so I have some friends that are baseball players. One, well, I, I know his wife, but he's a professional baseball player and he hits home runs all the time. So now I'm going to say, hey, you didn't hit those home runs because you worked so hard and are such a, a skilled baseball player. You got those home runs, which should have only been doubles or triples, but you got those home runs because of climate change. Got it? <laughs> okay, bye. And then, as I always like to do, I want to end on a positive note. Along with Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and Dr. Wayne Dyer, one of my favorite motivational speakers is Jim Rohn. He said something really profound that I read many, many years ago and honestly have just applied it to my life and really haven't thought about the actual words of the motivation until I reread it recently. Listen to these words and see if they aren't so prophetic and also inspiring. All right. Don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. 
Don't wish for less problems. Wish for more skills. Don't wish for less challenges. Wish for more wisdom. The major value in life is not what you get. The major value in life is what you become. Success is not pursued. It is to be attracted by the person you become. Think of how awesome that is. And just understand, when you are going through challenges in life, it's not because, well, not always, not always because that you are being punished. Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> I've been told by many bishops and, and uh, people in, in the uh, church, be, be careful what you pray for. When you pray to be stronger, the Lord's going to give you challenges to make you stronger. When you pray for wisdom, the Lord's going to give you things that will increase your wisdom by having to figure problems out. When you pray for someone or something to stop bothering you or stop, to stop affecting you, the Lord gives you challenges to help build strength to overcome those challenges. Don't ever forget, you were divinely created and came from divine lineage. And I don't care if you think it's God or Jesus Christ or Yahweh or Allah or Buddha, whatever entity that you hold yourself accountable to is whom you should be asking for strength to overcome your problems, not to take your problems away, not to make it easier for you, but to give you the strength to face the world's challenges. Because the world is going to have lots of challenges. And you need to be that person standing in the storm saying, bring it on, bring it on. And people will ask you, aren't you afraid of the storm? And the, you, know, you know what you answer back? You answer back, I am the storm. Think about that. Stay positive and... Until next time, create an amazing day.